my wife, Judith and I lead the team of leaders here at King's Church. And today I'm going to be sharing the first in a series of three messages, all based on Matthew 13 in the Bible. We've quite a bit to read today, so let's crack on straight away in Matthew 13 verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and, what, and they will have in abundance. Whoever, do, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on a rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. It's interesting, isn't it? The disciples asked Jesus why he taught in parables, short fictitious stories with spiritual meaning. Now, 
we might have thought that Jesus was trying to make things easier to understand. But, but Jesus actually says the reason he teaches in parables is because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to his followers, but not to others. It's not that these stories make it easier or harder to understand what God has to say to us, as if God's message to us was something that he expects us to figure out with our own human wisdom and understanding. Jesus says the truth can be right in front of us and yet we can still fail to see and understand. As much as we might wrestle to interpret certain parts of the Bible in line with their original context and, and Josh did a great job encouraging us to persevere in doing just that last week. But God's overall message to us as humanity is not too complex for any of us to understand. But it's something that has to be revealed to us by God's Spirit. Our eyes and ears have to be spiritually opened so that we can see and hear. And so that we can receive the message of God's kingdom. Notice that's what this secret message, this, this great mystery is all about. If you're familiar with the New Testament of the Bible, you might remember that after he rose from the dead, Jesus spent a further 40 days with his disciples before ascending into heaven. Now, Jesus had just risen from the dead and proved himself to be God's promised Messiah. He's proved that he is the Son of God. And now he's about to ascend into heaven and commission his followers to carry on his work on his behalf to be filled with his Holy Spirit so that they might continue his mission as his representatives. So wouldn't you just love to know what Jesus talked about during those 40 days? Well, in Acts chapter 1 and verses 3 to 5, it says this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In this incredibly significant period between being raised from the dead and ascending into heaven, in these final moments of preparation and waiting, Jesus spoke about the one thing he'd always spoken about. He spoke about the very heart of his gospel message, the good news that he knew had the power to transform our lives and to transform our world. He spoke about God's kingdom. For this is the message of Jesus that God the Father sent him into this world to proclaim. That our loving creator God, our God of justice and righteousness and peace and joy, our God is ruler and king. Life under his dominion is life as it was always meant to be. And even though we rejected him, Though we rejected his kingdom rule over our lives and over our world, he has made a way back for us. He's made a way for us to enter into his kingdom and be a part of it forever by receiving Jesus 
as our king, by making Jesus the Lord of our lives, by giving him full authority to rule and reign in every aspect of our lives, trusting in his love and grace and in his mercy and in his compassion. God's good news, the message that, that Jesus was all about, the great mystery that we can only understand when our eyes are spiritually opened and God himself reveals it to us. It is the message of God's kingdom, the message of his rule and reign. And so Jesus tells us this first parable in Matthew 13 about those who hear this message of the kingdom. Firstly, there are those who hear the message but fail to understand it. They're like seed that is scattered by the farmer, but that is immediately snatched away by the birds. That seed never takes root. It never produces anything. You see, there is an enemy, the evil one, the devil, who does not want people to know the truth about God's kingdom. We might have expected him to want to rob people of the truth about God's love, but this vitally important message that that the devil wants to snatch away from people is actually the message of God ruling and reigning. You see, the devil understands the power of this message. He understands the power of the lordship of Jesus Christ, and he will do anything to stop people from receiving that truth and living in that truth. He knows that when people receive Jesus as their Lord, when people bow their knee and receive Jesus as their king, they are rescued out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's son who he loves. As much as we might do everything we can to make a difference in this world, as much as we might serve people and love people, as, as much as we might campaign for righteousness and justice and stand up for the marginalized and the oppressed, what will ultimately bring the transformation and restoration that we long for is when people receive Jesus as their king. When we as humanity choose to embrace the loving rule of God. In Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This message of God's rule and reign can save people from an eternity without him, shut out from his life-giving presence. This message of God's rule and reign can bring life and love, restoring us and our world into right relationship with God. This message is everything. No wonder the enemy wants to snatch it away. And then secondly, there's the seed that falls along the path where the soil is hard and rocky and shallow and the seed can't put down roots. This speaks of those who hear the message of God's kingdom and they initially respond to it. They accept Jesus as Lord and to begin with. But when life starts to get tough, they struggle to hold on to the truth. They last only a short time and then when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. Of course, not many of us living in the West have ever been truly persecuted 
for our faith. Not in the way that some of our brothers and sisters living, living in other parts of the world have. But with everything we've all been through over the past couple of years, we can certainly say that trouble has come. And of course Jesus himself says that in this world we will have trouble. And when trouble comes, it really does test just how much we believe this message of God's kingdom. It reveals the extent to which the kingdom of Jesus has become rooted in our lives. I know church has been difficult at times over these last few years. And I know many of us have had to endure some pretty tough challenges and circumstances but what has been revealed to us? What message has taken hold in our hearts and in our lives? How deep is our conviction that Jesus Christ really is King? And that absolutely everything in our lives is ultimately about Him. This pandemic has provided a very real temptation to slowly drift away from God. Not necessarily to turn our backs on him and stop believing, but certainly to lower our expectations and maybe to start to fill our lives with other things. But I pray that God will reveal to us the truth of his kingdom. I pray that he will flood our hearts and our minds with the glories of his majestic love. I pray that he will show us his heart for justice and mercy and righteousness and holiness. I pray that the truth of his kingdom will become so deeply rooted within us. That no amount of trouble or persecution or anything else will keep us from passionately pursuing it. And of course, that brings us to the seed among the thorns. You see, even when the seed has taken root, even when those secrets of the kingdom have been revealed to us, there's still a danger that they become suffocated and obscured by the worries of this life or by the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus was always very clear. You cannot serve both God and money. We're just not capable of pursuing them both wholeheartedly. If material things and worldly success start to matter too much to us, it is inevitable that God's kingdom will no longer be our main concern. We can't say we're seeking first God's kingdom if in reality we've imposed certain conditions. If in actual fact our own career success or reputation or comfort or even simply what type of clothes we get to wear and what kind of food we get to eat. If that becomes more important to us because God's kingdom has to be first. It cannot grow and thrive in your life if you prioritise anything else above it. So when we stop and think about it. Far from being a nice little story about a cute little farmer and his seeds, the parable, this parable about the secrets of God's kingdom is actually pretty hard hitting. What kind of soil are you? What kind of soil am I? Our prayer, of course, is that we would be good soil. That we would receive the secrets of the kingdom and understand them. That we would live passionately and wholeheartedly for God's kingdom. That we would devote every part of our lives to living out and proclaiming its message. 
that we would recognise and practise its power and that we would therefore produce its fruit. Jesus once warned the religious leaders of his day that the kingdom of God would be taken away from them and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Jesus is repeatedly clear that God expects fruitfulness from our lives. He expects to see evidence that Jesus has become our king. Our lives lived wholeheartedly and passionately as part of God's kingdom cannot fail to make a difference in our world. But we must be careful that we do not allow what we have been given to be snatched away by the enemy. That we do not become weary or lukewarm or half-hearted in the face of trouble and challenge. And that we do not allow anything else in our lives to become more important than God's kingdom. Let us rather be those who produce a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And let's give ourselves to praying into that and to working out what does that mean in practice. God bless you. Have a great week and see you again for part week, part two next week. Thank you.